0: Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, your home for Montreal Canadiens news, information and entertainment. Hosted by the hockey writers Blaine Pudbang, all Habs Matt Smith and Treg Toxic-Wilson. Our goal is to provide you unfiltered discussion and entertainment. Sit back and Enjoy. And welcome back to another exciting episode of Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Potfei, and I'm joined today by Matt Smith. Good afternoon. And Treg Toxic Wilson. Hello, hello, hello. Well, Treg, you had a Toxic Tuesday episode for the ages. I did. You dropped some news. Why don't you uh, fill us all in?
1: Well, Habs Unfiltered, and the Habs Unfiltered brand, uh, it's having a con. Contest. And that contest is you go in a Jonathan Drouin Funko Pop, I believe that's what the kids call them, uh, if on this show you can guess what the secret word is. If you guess what the secret word is, DM Habs Unfiltered or one of us three with the answer and you can get into a draw for the prize of the Funko Pop, Jonathan Drouin. We'll put pictures up on the uh, on the interwebs. Uh, and I'll reveal the winner on my next Toxic Tuesday next week.
0: Ooh! So this Funko Pop does uh does it have both wrists?
1: It does. It does. But I was gonna break one, well, just for gotta, authentic. Yeah, just for authenticity. authenticity. Yeah. So. So yeah. So Thank that that is not it, a
0: Paul Byron Funko Pop.
1: Oh, I wouldn't know what to break on that. Everything. <laughs> If I can catch him, he'd be pretty fast. Me, me. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So if everyone out there just uh, subscribes to the shows, or the show, because it all comes under the same name, Habs Unfiltered, uh, and follows us, and likes and shares and all that good stuff, and uh, we'll reveal your uh, who the winner is in uh, next Tuesday. Yep, or Wednesday yep, yep. or Monday. Whenever I decide to release my show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Unpredictable. Yeah. No. Uh, so, for those listening, just listen to the show. You will know what the uh, what the secret word is because we're going to lose our minds Pee Wee Herman style when someone says it. <laughs> I don't That's know what, what that was, Matt. Theater. <laughs> 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 uh, no.
1: I am not going to that movie theater.
0: <laughs> There's oh, no purell in the world. <laughs> maybe depends on the movie <laughs> all right so uh we'll just dive into the show uh we'll uh, I'll cover a little bit of news or some uh, some news out in the hockey world of course you know not everything's about the canadians i know weird uh then we're going to just jump into the hab stuff we'll uh we'll talk about the playoffs we'll, uh, and we're going to field a few uh fan questions some good ones too like good ones so um with the news, uh, I noticed that a lot of people haven't really been talking about it, and I think it's a huge deal. Um, Manchester Storm player, Zach Sullivan, came out publicly as a bisexual. Now, it's sad that this is news, but it's it's good at the same time that a professional hockey player, and he plays for Manchester in EIHL over in Britain, um He's still pro, and he came out as bi. So he's no longer trying to hide what he is just to play hockey. And the bigger news in this, none of his teammates gave a crap. Like, not one gave a flying shit.
1: Why would they? Who cares?
0: Who gives a fuck who you're sleeping with? That's your problem, not theirs. And all honesty... Yeah. Go ahead. No, but I mean, all they give a shit about is that you show up and do whatever it is you're supposed to do. I mean, look at us. When we go to work in the Canadian Forces, no one gives a shit who you're sleeping with, as long as it's not someone at work. I
1: care who Matt sleeps with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do.
0: But Matt's special.
1: He is. He has 40 million followers. Well, that's not Disease. special. There's a disease in there somewhere. <laughs>
2: it's okay. I I took the I took the pills, took the cream, took everything. It's it's, uh, it's cleared I, up.
1: It's all good. And that that whole browser thing that we found out about last
0: week. <laughs> <laughs> Have they sent us the check money uh, the check yet?
2: I
1: haven't seen anything in the mail yet. Oh. <laughs> I'm calling them out on Twitter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> After all those years of clicking and subscribing yeah. to everything they put out. I'm going to put them in a sticky situation Uh,
1: no that's Matt sorry
0: (laughs) so moving on uh, so we're going to start off with uh, the first uh, well it wasn't really a fan question this was the Habs unfiltered account that put out uh, what the fans thought the chances of the Canadians making the playoffs this year and after 404 volts uh, 80% Shockingly, said no. I don't believe them. Oh my god! So
2: negative. What do you think, Matt? You're awful quiet. <laughs> First time for everything. Um, unfortunately, it's looking like it's going to be another year without playoff hockey in Montreal. Shut but, your mouth. But uh, but at least uh, at least the Canadians are making it interesting. They're uh, they're winning games. They're 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 you know they've been such a streaky team this year you know you've lost you've had two eight game losing streaks, which just totally took the wind out of their sails. And um, right now though, they're they're playing meaningful hockey to them, but at the same time, you've got guys like Florida and Columbus, Tampa, Boston, et cetera, Philadelphia, Carolina. They're winning games right now. So even though Montreal, you know, they're what, 7-3-0 in their last 10 games or something? Um, Every time it seems that they pick up a little bit of ground, there's a three-point game between one of these teams, or between two of these teams. So, yeah, they'll pick up two points, but another team's picking up points with them, and they're still, still, in my opinion, a little bit too far outside looking in. Um, It'd be great to see. Um, but they're going to really have to pull up their socks and uh, go on a lengthy streak. No more injuries. Get the guys back to health. Play to their potential. Because we all know that this team is a more than likely a playoff team if everybody's healthy. And, um, you know, the trade deadline's coming up soon. So we're going to see either players start getting shipped out or they're just going to run the course and see what happens.
1: I disagree, Matt. First of all, I've heard from various reliable sources on Twitter that this team has been trash all year. So, oh, just saying. And by those reliable sources, they're not reliable at all. But, uh, no, I agree. I don't think they're going to make it, but I think they're going to make it a good end of the year. Like, uh, they need to play like 750. They win 22 games of the games they have left, I think. Go 22 and 5 or something. Is that correct? Yeah. Anyone have those numbers totally on them?
0: Totally going to happen.
1: Yeah. Well, twenty-two right now, 22 games wins will give them 99 points. They only need about 97. So technically, it's only they 21. won 21. Uh, I don't see it happening, although I do see them winning like 15, 16 games going down the stretch. I, I do. like the, the, If you look at the schedule, it's not overly difficult, and they usually play better against better teams anyway. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think they're going to make a push. I just don't think they're going to make it. And and I was looking at some uh, interesting stats the other day, yesterday, and it showed that they actually have a better chance of making the playoffs than a first overall pick. So for all those people who uh, want the team to tank...
0: Ah! Ah! He said the magic word! Um, then <laughs> you're really... it.
1: You, you have a better chance of making the playoffs and actually getting the first overall pick. Um, I believe Montreal's going to finish around the 9th, 10th pick, and I'm okay with that. I think the team, when healthy, they would have... I've said this before. If they won even half of those 16 games they lost in those 2-8 game losing streaks, they'd be second place in the Atlantic right now. So, And that's only playing 500 at that particular time. So, who knows? Who knows what it could have been, but well, it's I mean, not going to be.
0: If... If the Canadians were only chasing one team in this, this mad dash, ten points back, nine points back, eleven points back, if there's just one team between them and a playoff spot, I'd say they have a shot. But when there's five teams, you have to hope that five teams all just hit the skids at the same time, while you're tossing seven and three, eight and two uh, uh, streaks over and over. And, uh, It'd be nice if it happened, but the chances of that happening are so slim. You may as well just go buy a lottery ticket.
1: Yeah, um, like I say, like Montreal, Carolina's kinda dipping, Toronto's dipping, but Philadelphia's playing well, Columbus is playing well, uh, Florida's Florida. playing well. Florida's seven and three. Uh, Columbus is eight one and one. Uh, Philadelphia seven and three. Now Carolina is only five and four, five four and one. Toronto's, I don't well, I don't think Toronto's making the playoffs either. But that's my bold prediction. Uh, and f- yeah, so really, really, who they're chasing right now is Philadelphia slash the Islanders and Florida and Columbus. And, well, Columbus is ten points ahead. The other guys are well, Philadelphia and Florida are what? I'm looking at it now, uh, eight and eight and seven. So I anyone ten points ahead I'm not really looking at. That's ridiculous. But you're right, about five teams, Carolina, Toronto, Philadelphia, the Islanders, and Florida at least, all have to play two to three hundred hockey while Montreal plays seven hundred hockey in order for them to make it in. It's just not gonna happen.
0: Oh, well so there's the consensus everyone's in agreement the Canadians aren't going to make the playoffs except for Vin. Well I mean he's hopeful. I, I can He's also just, Italian. Yeah. So well, he's not being unrealistic. He just says I want to be positive in my outlook. So I can't blame him for saying yeah we'll make it and everything's good but you know he's sending us pictures of him uh, sucking back wisers. and he yeah. Who yeah. knows. He's an alcoholic.
2: You know what, I don't want to be like I don't want to be negative towards this team either. It's just, um, you know, I'm being realistic. Yeah. And right. and and you know, I don't want to see this team go on a huge losing streak. I don't want them to uh, I don't want them to tank per se, right? I don't want them to do anything like that. I want them to ride it out to the end. You know, and not necessarily, you know, play the youth, play this kind of stuff, whatever. See what you have going forward see who you're going to bring back, and and we're going to go from there. There's going to be a lot of big decisions next year. As opposed, you know, who's, who are you going to bring in? Who are you going to keep? There's going to be the expansion draft, etc. All things that they need to consider. So these guys need to still play meaningful hockey. They can't just let it all go because they're not making the playoffs. The fans aren't going to like it, and the players are going to hate it too.
0: There was uh, Eric. Oh, will go ahead. Yeah, and, and another point on that, uh, the NHL may not be a developmental league, But for you to have success going forward, you can't just coast one year and then think the guys are going to show up and just flick a switch. No, you want to build a culture where work is expected. So you want them to show up and work their tails off to have success. So you build that culture even when the team is losing. Even now, the team's record isn't all that great even in a bad game like the New Jersey Devils game where they were just garbage the first half of it. They were down 0-3. They didn't give up. They they found a way, pulled up their boots, and ended up winning the game. So you want to see that kind of culture in a dressing room instilled. And the core group, like you mentioned, Matt, that stays, they'll have that attitude with them. Yeah, That's right. I said the word Attitude follow them to the next season, and it'll be in that dressing room. So the new people that get grafted on, this is what's going to be expected of them.
1: Two Toxic Tuesdays ago, I brought up uh, what a winning culture is in hockey, and it doesn't always necessarily mean winning every game or making the playoffs. A winning culture uh, for me, playing sports all my life, is you're on a team that wants to win every game. You're on a team that even though they know they may not be the best team, they're going out there and giving it 110% to win. They don't always come because Hey, maybe the skills not there, but that, that to me is a winning culture. And even if you're losing, you hold your heads up high. Cause you know, you gave it your all. And I think a lot of armchair coaches and GMs don't realize that. I don't know how much sports experience everyone has, but if you played sports like Blaine, you have, and I don't know really mad how much sports you played, but I'm saying you haven't, but, uh, a winning culture isn't just always winning and making the playoffs. A winning culture is how you get the wins, how you lose. Like if you're just bombing every game, then no, you don't have a winning culture. But even in Montreal's last eight game losing streak, every game was pretty much a one game goal, a one goal game. And they pretty much in every game, they've been pretty much in every game since way before December. They just weren't getting the wins. So to me, that's still a winning culture. Maybe I'm wrong playing. No, don't know.
0: I'm not disagreeing. That's yeah. a developmental point and more on that developmental point, we have a fan question. Um, i'll uh, I'll let Matt start off on this. Uh, so the question is from Steve at oh, let's see what is it Steve D Habs, do you consider keeping KK and Laval for next year as well?
2: Uh, for next year, I would say no. I think that um, right now they're going to evaluate what their team looks like at the moment. Um, I can see him being there at least till the trade deadline because more than likely you're going to see guys like um, Cousins, possibly Wheel, uh, Nate Thompson, maybe even Dale Weiss move on. So it's going to open up some roster spots, and he'll, he'll likely get called back up for the remainder of the year. I'm just hoping that this is a good kick in the ass for him and he can uh, kind of leak what Mete when he got sent down. He came back, he was a much better player. So I'm hoping that, you know, he, he'll get out there, he'll get the big minutes, he'll play on the power play, he'll do all these things, get his confidence back. Because you're looking at a kid who has six goals and two assists this year in 36 games. And, you know, in a full season... That equates to what maybe 20 points so I was expecting a lot more of than this year yeah I know he got dumped on his head and he got injured and everything like that however um, he's been given opportunity this year you can't go out on the coaching and say oh well Julian doesn't like young players and he's a shitty coach at developing and everything like that if that was the case Suzuki would be nailed to the bench and Suzuki has been playing very meaningful hockey for the Canadians. He's getting logging big minutes. He's putting up big points. So you can't say that he's anti-Youth. So or anti-Russian because Kolbachuk's playing really good hockey right now. Um, so yeah, I would say is gonna be there till the trade deadline. He'll get called back up, and then they're gonna reevaluate for next season. We'll we'll see how he performs during the offseason training camp. And then we'll go from there.
0: Now, I um, I think he's going to be in Laval for the rest of the season, you, despite all the trades. Um, you're right. He had some injury issues, and he was also having a hard time. He had some. He had a couple of good stretches there where he was playing well, but it's more of a confidence thing with him. He went down, um, and. After the game was done, he got that one assist in that uh, 5-4 loss to Binghamton. And after the game, he said that that was his favorite game of the year. Now, people on TSN radio, I'm not going to name any names, but they're on around lunchtime, and they have Italian last names. But I'm not going gonna... <laughs> <laughs> to name Tony uh, Tony right out, but... Uh... <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, He was very critical of Kotanyemi saying that because, you know, he just got set down and he didn't really, you know, it's not like he scored a hat trick or anything. He's playing in the AHL. Look, the kid is not happy he's in the AHL. Nobody comes here and says, hey, I want to be an AHL hockey player. No, the NHL is the goal. But what Tony left out was Kottniemi's dad was here in Montreal watching the game. It was going to be a, it's like he was there for the weekend. So he had some friends over. His dad was there. So that's the part that was left out. Um, I think spending that, uh, spending the rest of the season down in Laval, not only will help Laval in their stretch run for the playoffs, it's meaningful hockey for him. And uh, as we record, it's Wednesday night, and Laval is going to be on Aldeas. Kutniemi on the top line, flanked by Udon and Evans. So there's two quality wingers on the top line with him. So he's he's getting top line minutes, top talent in the AHL. They're giving him quality wingers. He's going to get power play time, penalty killing time. He should be getting anywhere from 16 to 20 minutes a game. He wasn't getting that in Montreal. So let him finish the, the, the season, maybe do a playoff run, and I think we'll notice a huge difference <laughs> in his game come next year when he j- rejoins Montreal.
1: Trey? Uh, I, I think he... I'm, I'm with Matt. I think he's going to be back after the trade deadline. Uh, he's a point-per-game player in the Laval right now. Mind you, it's only one game. <laughs> um, and he Sample has one sizes. assist. Sample sizes. And, he, and he has one assist. I agree with you on the... This is his best game this year. I think it was more of his his family was there. And Kotkanami I mean, is a positive person. Like, he's always smiling. hes I don't think he looks at this as a demotion. Uh, I think he looks at this as a, you know, I got to work my ass off to get back to where I was.
0: Well, he's clearly not happy being in the AHL. He, you know, no, and,
1: who, and, would and, yeah, and exactly. who would be? And who would be? Right? But, I mean, I don't think he's pulling a full-out Kincaid. You know what I mean? I think yeah. hes he, yeah. he's... He's taking it okay. Here I am. Paling wasn't happy when he first went down either, Uh, right? And uh, and then came back and went back down. But even Paling's game has been night and day this last time since he's been up than before. So I mean he's not getting the points or whatever, but his overall play has been good. Uh, And I think Cottonyami. I I think if you. If he didn't have the injury issues, he might have had a better year, but I have no issue with this. I had no issue with the length he stayed in Montreal, and I have no issue if he comes back in Montreal. Uh, but you got to realize, under Claude Julian actually I'll wait because I think there's a coach question, isn't there? Isn't there yeah, a coach there is. question. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll hold off on that one for later. We'll hold on. But I, I think right now it's, it's a good place for him to be. I think Bouchard's going to do well with him. And uh, so far, every guy that got sent down and came back up was at least better than they were before they went down. When they came back up, so far,
0: so far. All right. Well, Fleury's also looking pretty good down there. I mean, this you know it's good development for them. So Fleury went down, and he's playing a more offensive role. He's uh, he's getting more minutes. He's on a second pair uh, with Folan up. With uh, Montreal, that opens up ice time for Brook now as well. So this is a good thing for development. No one cares if Folan sits in a press box and eats popcorn. Except for Folan. He scored the go-ahead goal, man. (laughs) I know, but whether he plays or not is irrelevant to the Canadiens long-term. What is relevant long-term is Brook and Fleury. Those guys getting ice time. So if you're, you got a seventh D man playing, uh, getting league minimum, sitting in the press box in Montreal, that happens. You know that's expected. But you you have to develop your young guys. And Bouchard, even though he's got to follow the NHL's, the the NHL plan from uh, from Julian, he's also not beholden to playing just bottom six guys and holding on to leads. So that that game against Binghamton. That uh, they lost five four, where Kottanemi got the assist. Kottanemi sat the last four minutes of that that third period when they were up four one, before they crumbled, and got one shift in overtime. So why wasn't he out on the ice when they needed needed a stop or or goal or something, just something instead of just rolling your bottom six guys? That's a problem. If you want to develop guys, you got to play them. Whether they make a mistake or not, whether, you know, Kottniemy taking a face-off on his weak side or his strong side, you want them getting exposed to situations without the pressure of the NHL. That's what they're there for. Now, Bouchard wants to develop guys in a winning atmosphere, which is fine, but they're fighting for a playoff spot. They're right there. If the guy makes a mistake and one goal goes in... It's no worse than what they've been doing already, giving up three, four goal leads, and you know, losing games. So, I don't know. They have to refocus on the development side. I mean, the draft, you know, building through the draft and getting younger is great, but these guys are showing up now. They're they need to they need to play, and you need to develop them before they become NHL players. And to develop, you need to give them ice time in the AHL. And rant.
1: Let me play devil's advocate there. No. It was Kotkanami's first game, and Bouchard had already had some type of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, continuity with his lines. So, and I'm just throwing this out there. I don't really know. I never saw the game. But uh, maybe that's a reason why he didn't play him as much. Maybe.
0: No, I watched the game. It didn't didn't seem like that. He was... He was kind of mixing and matching the bottom six guys.
1: Okay, sure. Just throwing that out there.
0: No, that's fair. Uh, now, Matt, you had another question. This is the one about coaching.
2: So, the question is from Impasta. And the question reads, if Bergevin and his staff manage assets well, and next year the team is, good, is a good mix of budding youth and some good veterans do you think Julian is the best option as coach? So I'll let you guys um, answer that one first, and then I'll weigh in.
0: Go ahead, Treg. Uh,
1: first of all, I, as you guys know, have I'm not a huge Julian fan. I think he's a good coach, but I don't think he's a good coach for the style of team I think Bergevin's making.
0: I've seen the dartboard at your house, Treg. I know if whose that, face is if, on it.
1: If that It's Mate. That's whose face is on it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. I can't. So you're, so
2: you're the one that's got his voodoo doll right now. Right? <laughs>
3: that's
1: right. <laughs> um, Julian's not against rookies. He just wants rookies to earn their minutes. I mean, does anyone disagree with that? Like, Bergevin doesn't hate rookies like everyone thinks he does. And, and he just wants them to earn their minutes. The problem with Julian is they make a mistake or they don't play his system, and then they're in the doghouse and they get five minutes in the game. To me, if you're going to have a mix of youth and veterans, you got to let those kids make mistakes and learn from it. Um, I'm not saying Julian's a bad coach. Julian just wants to win, and I find he takes soulless and guys like Cousins and Wheel and that, not because he thinks they're better than those guys, but he trusts them more than what he trusts the rookies. Now, the the argument to that is, well, when Cousins messes up, how come he doesn't send him? And that's a very good argument. It's because Cousins is a veteran, and he earned his right to make that mistake, I guess. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But Julian is a earn your minutes. And Suzuki, who started on the fourth line, is now what our second line center now. And uh, cuz he earned it. Cuz he earned it. Uh, I've seen games where I thought Paling should o- earn more minutes and he didn't get them. So I don't know the ends and outs, but I truly believe uh, I would not be I would not be sh- upset if Julian was not there next year, although I think he will be. I just won't be upset if he, if he wasn't. Either Julian got to change the way he, he coaches the young guys. He can still keep a system. Or uh, they, they got to move on to a new coach. Because I don't think, unless you're playing the top of your game like Suzuki is, I don't think he's going to give them the minutes they need.
0: Well, Julian is an NHL coach. And an NHL coach's job is to try to and win games. games. So, yeah. <clears throat> pardon me. Um, yeah, he's he's not anti rookie like you said he is pro predictability and with rookies they're not as predictable some like suzuki prove themselves to him and he they get tons of ice time um so it's the predictability so it, these guys like cousins and wheel uh yeah they they make some errors but their errors uh, not in judgment, but more in lack of talent and effort. I guess uh, those are, and they tend to try and repair those errors, so they know how, what they need to do to try and repair those errors, and that's that's what Julian's watching. That's what he he prefers. Now, if you ha- if you're trying to build uh, a team of youth, m- yeah, maybe Julian is not your guy. He it may not be the coach for that group, so him being gone this summer would not surprise me. But it wouldn't surprise me if he stayed either, because yeah, I, they want. They I'm want in to the make same boat. Like, yeah,
1: because I mean, if if you look at the time on ice for Wheel and Cousins, it's only thirteen forty-five and thirteen seventeen. Yeah, so third So line it's line. not like they're that. That's and. In, in, uh, Cotton Yemi had 13 minutes. Where Ryan Paling gets an average of 10. So it's, Cotton Yemi was getting third-line minutes for a third-line center. So it, it's it's not like Cotton Yemi wasn't getting the minutes that he was supposed to get. He wasn't
0: but getting he wasn't, power play yeah, time. Yeah, he wasn't getting the power play time. They were putting Cousins and Wheel on there, and I was also Correct. critical of that. But let's be honest. Last year, the power play was pure trash finished 28th this year it's hovering around 15th so can we really fault the coach for using those guys i don't think so
1: especially for a guy who's you know especially for and and it's working it's the 11th best power play in the league so i mean and if you look at uh power play time on ice uh Jordan Wheels at two minutes, and Nick Cousins at a minute
0: 40. Could the power play be better yeah. with better talent? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. But like like I mentioned earlier, Julian prefers predictability. So these guys on the power play are doing exactly what he wants. They're not there to be the finishers. They're there to get the puck in the zone and to keep it in the zone, to cycle it around, maybe create some havoc so that shooters can get their shot, like Weber and Kovalchuk. And, it, it, and it's, it's improved the power play.
1: And I'll bring up another little tidbit. Kot Yemi actually has more time on ice on the power play than Nick Cousins. He has a minute 43 to a minute 40.
0: Yeah, he sneezed <laughs> once on the ice and took him a little longer to get off. But that, that's... I, I understand the frustration when watching the power play and seeing those guys out there. Normally power plays are your most talented guys because there's that little bit of extra open ice and they yep. have that room to create but yeah it, it's frustrating as all get out to see that but when you look at the, the the percentages from last year to the percentages this year of course the coach thinks it's working it's improved it dramatically I mean that's the just the devil's advocate on this because I'm on the side of play cotton yammy more, play Cousins less
1: but just oh, I, clear. I am too I'm just saying, uh, uh, if you look at the time on ice stats, Jordan Wheel and Cousins are 10th and 12th. So everyone talks like they're they're taking up all these minutes when really they're they're kind. Of, that's all I'm trying to point out here.
2: What about you, Matt? So in terms of um, coaching, I would say that um, really it's 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 his it's his job to lose at this point. Um, I can likely see him starting the season with the Canadians again next season. Um, if they go on a really, really, really bad spell, maybe his job's going to be um, in jeopardy. And there's really only one coach that's out there right now that I would consider bringing in. Um, he's known as a player's coach. He's an Island Boys from Summerside, Prince Edward Island. That's Rare Gallant. Um, he's got experience with the Canadians. He was coach of the year with the uh, with the Golden Knights, and he was abruptly fired, which I really didn't agree with. Um a lot of people were thrown off by his firing by the Golden Knights at least they got um, him an uber when they fired him absolutely absolutely which was, which was more than uh, Florida did that's for sure um, but you know what like they were they were in the playoffs and uh, he was going to be the uh, the coach at the uh, all-star game so it's not like they were a terrible team and they were just bombing every game you know this is a this this was a winning team and a a team that went to the finals their first year. So I know a lot of people want to bring in somebody like uh, maybe a Joel Burchard or a Dominic Ducharme or, you know, promote Kirk Muller or whatever you guys want to do. A lot of people are saying, you know, get Julian out, play the youth, only play the youth, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's not how professional hockey works. You can't just play the youth and then expect them to be, an amazing playoff team and you know, parade down Montreal with the cop over their head. It's not gonna happen. You need you need you know you need good coaching, you need veterans. And if anyone's gonna take um if anyone's gonna take his job, I'm gonna think it's gonna be Gallant. He's the best option available if they make that move. Me Yeah, he doesn't speak
1: French. Although make, some people are not saying he does, French. although I don't know where they're
0: getting that the oh, French speak. is very poor. Yeah. And I agree with you, Matt, that the language issue should not be an issue. We should be hiring the best, not just the best francophones.
2: Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Just bringing in the best francophone that you could find is the only reason you guys have me on the show.
2: That's true, actually.
1: It's not for your
0: looks. Oh, God, no. I got the face for radio, which works real well here. You don't even have the face for that. Oh. Oh, if I had feelings, that would hurt. <laughs> wait, no, it kind of does. Wait. <laughs> wait. No, it really doesn't.
2: It's all good. You're married. You don't have to try anymore. Sorry, Christine.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm really sorry, Christine, because you're married to Blaine, but it.
0: <laughs> 20 years. <laughs> Ugh.
1: You know, if she would have murdered someone, she'd be out by now. That's only because you murdered her. She just has no hope in life anymore. I didn't
0: murder her? I just murdered all her hopes and dreams.
2: That's that's my point. So, guys, how are we looking for time? Uh, do we have time for one more question, or are we gonna murder. cut her?
0: Nah, you know what? We're gonna save that one for next week. I think. Okay, perfect. So, um, we're gonna stop here. We're gonna take a commercial break, and when we come back from the commercial break, uh, we're going to be joined by Lyle Richardson. Aka Specters Hockey, and we're going to go over NHL news, notes, rumors, and uh, Lyle may or may not rant a little bit about the Canadians. So, sit back, enjoy this commercial break, and when we come back, Lyle Richardson is going to blow your minds. Hey, what's that over there? I don't know, man. It looks like a it looks like a chalk strap. What's a jock strap doing up in the concourse? I don't know. Let me check. What's it it say? says C. Lindgren on it.
1: Weird. Man, are you always getting digged out and losing your gear? If so, you should download the new app, GearFinder.com. We'll put microchips in all your gear. So when that guy digs you out on a simple play, you'll find your gear later. And not some dudes in the crowd. Hey man, I should take this home to my wife. She might like it. Maybe she can find your gear too. Well, we'll download the app and we can help Charlie Lindgren out. <laughs> yeah, help me! Yeah! throw it over, guys! Gearfinder.com For all your lost gear
0: needs. Welcome back to Habs Unfiltered. I am joined now by Lyle Richardson, a.k.a. Spectres Hockey. Uh, people may know you from a few areas. You're, uh, you're a busy guy. Um, you cover you cover hockey with the Hockey News, the PEI Guardian, Sporting News, and Featured. Are there a few other as, places that I missed?
4: And as well as uh, my NHL trade rumors. And uh, if you're if you live in Germany for uh, ice hockey news as well, so yeah, I got got a a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> you got to keep busy. Oh, and the, believe me, uh, yeah. If you're if you're gonna make it in the in the world of freelancing, yeah, you you pick up uh, as much work as you can get. So uh, you know, it's always better to be busy than than not.
0: Yeah. Any time you're not busy, then you know. In my case, my wife. Kind of jumps in on there and starts giving me all kinds of honey do lists
4: <laughs> oh I still get that <laughs> i still i still get that 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 never goes away wait trust me when you wait, when you retire it will not go away <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> if anything if anything it'll grow
0: <laughs> okay now now I'm not gonna retire <laughs> um so <clears throat> pardon me uh having you back on this is uh, i believe you're mm-hmm third or fourth time so it's officially that you're a Mm -hmm. friend of the show
4: yes you can you can yes feel free to 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 use that whenever you whenever you're talking trade rumors (laughs) lyle richardson friend of the show there we go yeah oh hey we're we're old sailors so it's all one you know it's always old sailors always a friend of the show so there you go
0: that's right all the old salts are always welcome here (laughs) so uh yeah so there's been a Pretty busy lead up to the trade deadline. Uh, teams are starting to get geared up. They're, they're making their plans. Um, before we jump into that, being a Habs fan yourself, I figured mm-hmm. I'd pick your brain a little bit on that. So what did you make of uh, Cotton Yemi going down to LaBelle?
4: Well, I mean, I think it was the right thing to do. Um, you know, you know, it's a bit of—I know it's a bit of a disappointment for some Habs fans. Uh, you know, he had such a promising uh, start last season, a promising, uh, you know, rookie campaign, but he struggled a bit this season. Um, you know, he was also hurt there, I believe, for a while uh, earlier in the season as well. And, uh, yeah, I, he, he needs to get more playing time, and he'll definitely get it, uh, you know, uh, down to Laval uh, for the rest of the season. I think it's also a promising sign as well that uh, perhaps Jonathan Druan is uh, about ready to draw back into the lineup. and. Uh, they need to create some space for that as well, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm still uh, I'm still very optimistic about the kid in his future. you got to remember, he's only 19. He's still one of the youngest players in the league. I mean, he was one of the youngest players in the league last season when he came in at 18. Um, I think expectations were a little high for him, uh, you know, especially heading into this year, but... Uh, you know this this isn't uh you know this is only i think i i hesitate to call it a setback just to, you know maybe a, a little stumbling block on the way but uh the added playing time and you know at, you know a little bit more maturity as well I, I think he's going to come along i mean certainly his teammates still think a lot of, a lot of them um uh, you know they're they're expecting uh you know they they think a bright future lays ahead for him so uh, i'm 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 not overly concerned by that he, he right now yeah he's he's better off getting the playing time down in the queue than uh, just, you know, either riding the pine or, uh, as somebody once said, e- eating popcorn up in the press box.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know who would have said that. Some Sounds like a genius, though.
4: <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. But it was a, it was definitely a good saying.
0: <laughs> yeah, my coach used to say that to me all the time when he was sending me up to the press box to eat popcorn.
4: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh,
0: so what do you say to people who uh, who have been calling him a bust?
4: <laughs> uh, well i'd say it's very very premature to be to be making that that uh, that statement i mean you know let's 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 see where he's at in three or four years time if he if you know if he's still struggling along and hasn't made any improvement uh when he's say 22 or 23 well then yeah you know you could probably start fitting him out for a bus collar. but uh right now i i don't think that's the case um, you know, not every young player develops at the same, uh, you know, develops at the same rate, you know, people, you know, expect that, uh, the, you know, kid comes in and he does well in his first season and you're just expected, okay, well next year, he's going to, he's going to take it higher. And then when he doesn't, uh, you know, there's big disappointment and especially for a kid like Huck and Yemi, who went as high as he did in the draft, he went third overall uh, you know, in in 2018, and and then right out of his draft, year bang, he makes the Habs. So, there was also that 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 high expectation. But yeah, it's 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 definitely premature. I I don't believe he's going to be a bust. I think that uh, with a little bit of maturity and and again some more playing time down, the, you know, down in the AHL, I think it's going to do him a world of good. And I think we'll probably see him come back next season, uh, you know, a lot more motivated and and better prepared.
0: Yeah, I notice a lot of people are making comparisons to Suzuki, but uh, they tend to gloss over the age difference.
4: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Suzuki's, what, a year, year and a half older? Um, you know, and, and let's not forget as well, I mean, Suzuki did not come in under as, as harsh a spotlight as Kakonemi did. I mean, he, yes, he, he came in. Uh, you know, he was he, he came in as a trade acquisition. Uh, you know, in, in the Pasquariello deal with with the Golden Knights, and and you know, most have fans heard a, heard a lot of good things about him, uh, but they didn't really know him, didn't really see him. Whereas with Kakonemi, every Hab fan knew who he was because uh, this is the kid who was who was drafted third overall. He was drafted ahead of Brady Kachuk, you know and and several others so of course you know there there's that as well and i mean everybody remembers that that famous expression of, uh, of the lady in the stands at the draft when kakanyemi's name was announced and that shocked look on her face you know they drafted who you know that just uh, yeah, you know, there's there's just that that heightened expectation. Whereas Suzuki was more under the radar. He was he was almost like a mythical beast for some Habs fans, if you will. We we heard about how good he was, but they had no idea uh, that uh, he was going to be a top prospect or that he was going to come into the league and make make the kind of noise that he has. But he also benefited from you know another playing uh, another year in junior. He didn't he didn't make the Habs as an 18 year old. So, you know, yeah, Suzuki's got a little bit more maturity, he's a little older, and uh, yes, and the kid just keeps getting better and better, I think he's, what, fourth overall now in rookie scoring, he's not that far behind the leaders, whereas if you look back, uh, you know, four to six weeks ago, there was something like a 10 or 12 point gap, and he's narrowed that now considerably, and he's looking much better, so... uh, yeah, as I said, you know, Suzuki was kind of under the radar a little bit, Kakanyemi in a, in a brighter spotlight, and, you know, I think uh, Suzuki kind of benefited from that.
0: I, I agree. Uh, and the what lady there, the one that you mentioned at the draft, <laughs> uh, I spoke to her before the draft happened. We were in the conversation. Oh, course. did you? I did. Oh. We were in a little conversation with her, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, Treg and myself. We were in mm-hmm. Dallas, and mm-hmm. she's a lady from Louisiana. Her and her husband are big Habs fans. And we told her, oh, nice. don't be surprised when they pick Cotton Yemi. And boy, was she ever. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, I dare say she probably, uh, she probably enjoyed his play last season. So, you know.
0: I think so. Hard yeah. to to.
4: Yeah. And like I said, I mean, the kid still has a very bright future. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, overly concerned. As I said, you know, let's, let's wait three or four years before we start, uh, you know, fitting this kid out for, for the tag of draft bust
0: amen a little bit of patience it goes a long way unfortunately patience is not something that Habs fans are known for
4: yeah well and uh in you know in a way it's it's a little bit understandable I, th- I think this season there was so you know there well i don't think i know as 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 you do there was there was considerably heightened expectations uh, for the club coming into this season, you know, and, and they got off to such a terrific start and everything looked great. And then Druin got hurt and Byron got hurt and, and Carey Price struggled a bit. And then they had that first losing streak. And then the, you know, the second one, as as we know, the second one was, was the backbreaker, you know, they, they did come out of that, that first lengthy losing skid and, and, you know, and by late December, they were holding a playoff, or they rallied back, I think they won something like six out of eight, and they were doing really well, and then just the arse went right out of it again, and yeah, that, that was that, and now I think we're all pretty much resigned uh, to them missing the playoffs again, so... Uh, yeah, there, there's uh, quite a bit of, of disappointment now, and some more impatience, and, and of course that's leading to some really stupid suggestions, like, "Well, that's it, fire everybody, trade Weber and Price, and for whatever you can get, and let's start really rebuilding again." And it's just like, you know, okay, folks, you know, again, I get the impatience, I get the frustration, um, but let's let's just kind of chill out here and just let's let's see where we're at because you know a lot of Habs fans you got to remember this again this ain't like the old days okay it takes a long time now to to build back up to build a club that's going to be a legitimate not just a, a playoff contender but a cup contender and I think I'm safe in saying that that's what we all want as Habs fans right now is we want a cup contender not just a team that can get into the playoffs every year maybe win a win a round or two and you know it, it takes time and sometimes it, it it's a bit of a it can be a painful process but you know i mean if if this was a team that showed absolutely no sign of improvement at all over the last 2 years well, then, yeah, I could certainly understand, you know, the, okay, fire Bergevin, fire the coach, you know, get rid of Weber and Price and let's rebuild for real, if, if, you know, rather than suffer through all of this. But, you know, I think that uh, with, with some more depth, and we're seeing that with the younger kids, and hopefully with, with some, uh, you know, maybe a couple of more shrewd free agent signings, or maybe even better, uh, you know, maybe another good trade or two. Uh, they'll be in better shape and, and perhaps next season and perhaps finally start getting on their way on that road towards being a cup contender. I'm not saying that's going to happen next year, but uh, maybe, you know, hopefully if the kids keep developing as they have, uh, maybe over the next, uh, t- you know, three to four years, we'll start to see that.
0: So on the the trade or two thing, um, what do you see Bergevin doing by the deadline? Because not being in a playoff spot kind of... Uh, it opens him up a little bit more. It makes it a little easier for him to make the decision to sell.
4: Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, look, he's, he's, he's still going to, you know, he's going to be as patient with them as they can over the next couple of weeks. But uh, I think once we're about a week out, so in other words, in two weeks' time, uh, if, you know, if there's been no traction, you know, if they haven't made any movement up the standings at all by that point where it looks like they still have a realistic shot, then, yeah, he'll uh, he'll go into sell mode. And I think he'll, he'll, listen to, he'll listen to offers, but uh, he's not going to sell the farm here. I mean, Kovalchuk, Ilya Kovalchuk, yeah, I can certainly see him listening to offers for Kovalchuk. If somebody's willing to give him a second-round pick, um, you know, given how he's playing right now, uh, then, yeah, I think he probably makes that move. Um, you know, uh, I could see him maybe trying to move Scandella again. You know, he, you know, he hasn't really made his... I don't think you really get as much uh, for Scandella as you'd get for Kovalchuk. Maybe he considers moving Nate Thompson or Dale Weiss, but you're not going to get very much for those guys. Um, then you, you move into, well, does he move Thomas Tatar? Uh, does he move Jeff Petrie? He could, but it won't just be for, oh, uh, a first-round pick or a package of, uh, say, a second-round pick and a top prospect. I think if you're going to move those guys, you want... A young player who is going to be able to contribute immediately. If you're looking at moving, say somebody like Thomas Tatar, um, then I say you would have to move him for somebody that would be. And I'm just throwing this name out as an example. Somebody like, say, Toronto's Casper uh, Kapanen. Now, I'm not saying that that is the trade that's going to happen. I'm just using Kapanen as a comparable. OK, um, that would be the type of player I think that you should move to Tar 4. If you can't get that type of player, don't waste him on draft picks and prospects. You've restocked that pipeline. I mean, it, come on. I mean, y- y- you know as well as I do that, you know, the, that that pipeline now is, is just bursting with, with promising young talent right now. Some of them are on the team. Some of them are in the farm. Some of them are, are going to be probably hitting the farm system or the team, but you know, in the next year or two. Why waste a, a guy like Thomas Tatar, who is happy in Montreal, who wants to be there? You could make him your own free agent signing and keep him for another you know, four or five years after the fact. Now, I'm not saying you've got to turn around and throw seven, eight, nine mil a season at the guy. But if he asks for, say, 6 to 6.5 million a season, and I know some Has fans right now will go, oh, my God, that's too much, that's too much. For four or five years, that's too much. But that's the asking price now for guys who are consistent 20 to 25 goal scorers like he is. You know, that is the market value now, especially for a guy at his age group right now. You know, you've got to expect to spend a bit if, you're, if you want to keep and retain you know, some of your best talent. If Tatar is happy there and he's playing well, and he certainly is, why toss him away just for draft picks and prospects? Again, unless you can get a quality young player who can step in right away and is going to start contributing right away and contribute for you for a long time, don't waste him. Keep him. But, you know, then again, you know, maybe uh, stock in the pipeline is what Bergman wants to do, so we'll see.
0: Now. Uh, we'll move on to uh, some of the stuff that's going on lately, and mm-hmm. don't worry, I'll tie it back into the Habs eventually.
4: <laughs> it is a Habs show. Oh, absolutely.
0: Uh, now, today, uh, as we record, it's Monday, the uh, 3rd of February, and mm-hmm. uh, it was announced that uh, the Jets, well, it was by Frank Cervelli it was announced, uh, that the Jets mm-hmm. and Big Buff are going to be doing a contract termination. What do you What do you make of that?
4: I'm not surprised. I mean, the way that the situation, the way that this has dragged on since last summer, um, you know, it, it doesn't surprise me that it that it's come to this. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, the the Buffalo just wasn't feeling the love, I guess, with uh, with the Jets. And actually, I can't say that I don't know the reason because I think we all do know. And it was it had to do with uh, I think how he perceived. That he was treated by Jet, the Jets front office at the end of last season because he he'd injured his ankle. He took a bit of time up, and he played through it. Um, he clearly wasn't himself uh, down the stretch and in the playoffs for them last year. Um, and there was kind of it became kind of a he said he said sort of thing where Buffalo was saying, you know, look, my ankle is still really really bothering me. I think it needs to be operated on or it needs to be looked at. And the Jets' team doctor is saying, no, no, you're good to go. And there was obvious disagreement, and I think it just went from there um, to the point where, yeah, Bufflin didn't come to training camp. He, you know, They wound up suspending him. He then went and had surgery on his own, and now he's filing a grievance with the Jets to try and get his, you know, to get paid because he's been suspended without pay. And I think it just, yeah, it just kind of reached the point of no return by then and right now the Jets are in a situation where they are battling to make the playoffs Um, it's been reported that uh, GM Kevin Shovel he's he's in the market for a top four defenseman but he can't really make a move unless he gets the Bufflin situation sorted out because even though Bufflin hasn't resumed skating yet there was always the possibility he could return to action before the end of the season and if he did that would really complicate things for the Jets if they had gone out say this month and brought in a top four defenseman that eat up a lot of cap space and now in comes Buffalo and oh yeah now I'm ready to come back and play well now they're really really they'd be really stuck they'd be in cap hell then because they'd have to try and free up cap room for him to come back and you wouldn't be able to do it because it would be after the trade deadline. It would just, yeah. And so I think that's why they're looking at handling this kind of mutual contract termination, which will make Bufflin an unrestricted free agent and he'll be able to resume his career with, with anybody. So, hey, maybe Montreal? No, just kidding. <laughs> just
0: kidding. No, uh, I don't think he would sign in Montreal. However, no, uh, no. with him being a right-handed D-man on the way out, mm-hmm. making about six and a half, maybe they're on the lookout for a right-handed D-man making about five and a half.
4: Could be. Could be.
0: They would. Uh, I would assume they'd be very large players on the uh, D-market as soon as that uh, contract termination went through.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, and I mean, you look at right, uh, you know, sort of right, uh, demon that are out that are available right now. I mean, the the you know the best one that comes to mind is is, is Matt Dumba, um, with the uh, with the Minnesota Wild. I mean, now his name is out there. Um, whether or not uh, Bill Guerin actually trades him, that remains to be seen. You know, because he's still, I think, a, a valuable player for them, and I don't think you give him up very easily. Uh, but like somebody like Sammy Vatanen's a right shot D, uh, Josh Manson and Anaheim's a right shot D, uh, you know, our boy Jeff Petrie's a right shot D, so there you are. And, uh, Zach Bogosian too, if anybody wants to take a chance on, on, you know, if you want to wrap him up in a lot of bubble wrap so he doesn't get hurt, maybe you give it, take a chance on him too.
0: Yeah, and he did ask for a trade, I believe, at the start of the season.
4: Uh, well, it was actually after he came back from injury in December that he requested the trade, but, uh, just uh, the fact that, uh, he's still with the Sabres, I think pretty much says all you need to know about his trade value right now. Um, it's not that he isn't a capable defenseman when he's healthy, it's just that he's hurt so much that, you know, I, I think right now most, most teams aren't willing to, to take a chance on him as, as a, as a, say a top four, uh, defenseman, because, you know, you could get him, and then within two weeks he's hurt again. So, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Bogosian finish the season with the Sabres. Tell you the truth.
0: Yeah, neither would I. Um, who do you uh, who do you think is going to be the most active uh, GM or team come uh, the deadline?
4: Uh well, it, it's hard to say who's going to be the most. The most active, but um, there there are several clubs that I think are going to be. I'm I'm definitely keeping an eye on the Colorado Avalanche. Um, you know, uh, Joe Sakic's got a lot of cap space out there. Um, the clubs they're, they're starting to struggle a bit uh, lately, and uh, I think they've got some concerns with their defense. They might even have some concerns uh, maybe with their D. So I'm expecting uh, Joe Sakic to uh, to be busy uh the trade deadline. I'm definitely expecting Boston to be busy because they are all in. And um you yeah, know uh Kevin Paul Dupont of the Boston Globe suggested, well, maybe maybe they should uh try trading David Krejci instead, but regardless of all the complications of of trying to do that, like is you know, no trade clause and, and uh, his high salary is the fact that Krejci is invaluable to their uh, to their playoff chances. They're not going to move him. But I can definitely see them looking for a, a, a second-line score. And they've been linked to Chris Kreider for a long time and for a good reason, and Tyler Toffoli with the Kings. So I definitely see them being busy. I expect Toronto's going to be busy. They need a reliable backup goalie. And I think they still need another defenseman in there, another top four. Pittsburgh... Keep an eye on on Jimmy Rutherford, man, because he he's always busy. He's always busy. Uh, that guy never stops. And um, if I'm thinking other teams out west, um, I don't really see the Blues doing anything. Well, they they could, but they don't really have to because they're doing so well. Um, you know, maybe I think well, I think Calgary's going to. Calgary's got cap space now. I think they're they're definitely going to uh, get involved and do something. Um, you know, Brad living let it be known after he traded Michael Frolik last month that he's uh, he's going to be uh, looking to to bring in some depth. I think he's looking for a scoring winger there too. So, uh, yeah, I definitely see them getting busy. I think Winnipeg uh, is definitely going to uh, be a buyer out there as well. So, yeah, those those would be the teams I, I expect. Uh, will be active. I'm sure there'll be one that'll just totally surprise us because there always is at the deadline that goes, oh, I didn't expect them to do that. But, you know, as, as far as buyers go, those are the teams I think that'll be the most active.
0: And it, it seems uh, most teams are looking for scoring wingers and top four defensemen, especially righties. So yeah, yeah. Um, that does open a door for Bergevin to start bidding wars to get the pieces he would like.
4: Mhm.
0: So maybe, maybe we'll see some very frantic action.
4: Well, we could. I mean, he would surprise us though, because Bergevin, in the last couple of years, hasn't hasn't been really that active on the trade market. So uh, at least at the trade deadline, I mean, you know, he's he's shown that he's been willing to wheel and deal a lot more in the off season, and he's made a lot of good moves that way. Um, if he does sell, maybe like I said, you know, I I mentioned the you know the the guys that, that could go and that'd be the pending unrestricted free agents. Um I know that there's uh, a couple of folks in the Montreal media that suggest, well, maybe, maybe you should trade Max Domi because he's been inconsistent and blah, blah, blah. But I don't see Domi going anywhere. You know, not unless a uh, Bergevin thinks that, you know, Domi's going to ask for a ridiculously high amount on his next contract. If that's the case, if Domi's going to be, if Domi was to ask for say eight or nine mil a season on a, on a seven or eight year deal, I, I think that that might, uh, spur uh, maybe some trade activity there, but I, that would be a move I think you do in the off season. You, you, you don't waste an asset like, like that at uh, the trade deadline but it'll be interesting to see what it again if you're going to trade though somebody like Jeff Petrie or Thomas Tatar as I said earlier you've, you've got to bring in a player a young player who's ready to contribute right away because you're going to be losing if you, if you move either one of those guys you're, you're moving a, you know two invaluable parts of, of your roster and those will be very difficult to fill uh, unless you've got suitable replacements that can step in right away
0: now, as a fan, would you like to keep Kovalchuk for another year?
4: Oh yeah, as a fan, yes, I would. I like what he's. I like what he's done. Um, he's been rejuvenated. I mean, well, this is a guy that that he knows. <laughs> excuse me. He knows that his uh, NHL career is kind of hanging by a thread. He kind of knew that when he when he signed with Montreal, but he has really just. Taken to playing him, he, he like he really enjoys playing in Montreal, and uh, he really seems to enjoy playing playing with this team, and they're all happy to have him. And uh, you know he's he's not afraid to speak up when they when they played poorly. Like he said it, you know he hasn't you know just spoken in cliches like he's told the press. Look, we played like crap tonight. You know we need to play better, and you know he said the same thing in the room and I, you know, I like what he's brought. Now, again, I wouldn't, you, know, you, you wouldn't turn around and sign him to a whopping great deal, but I'd, I'd bring him back on a one-year kind of bonus-laden contract and see what he can do. Important thing, though, if you're going to do that, you've got to ensure that he's, he's skating top six minutes. You know, He's yeah. got to be on the first two lines. If, if you're just going to bring him in and stick him on the third and fourth line, it's not going to work. Don't waste your time, and don't waste his. You know, because he he said that as well, Said the reason it didn't work out with the Kings is they didn't keep him on the top lines for long. He'd be there for a little while, and then for whatever reason, you know, if he had a bad game or two, boom, they knock him down to the checking lines, and that's where he's useless. He's not a checker. He's a scorer. I realize he's older and he's a step slower, but, man, he can help you out. He helps you out in your power play. You know, he he can help you out in the shootout. He would definitely help you out in overtime. So, you know, yeah, you know, I'd bring him back for another year. Why not?
0: Yeah, as long as they've got uh, got him on a line with uh, talented players, even if it's a third yeah. line with say uh, Drouet and uh, I don't know Kottaniemi if he comes back or Suzuki or something along those lines.
4: Yeah, he. Could well, what definitely... did you think? Yeah, well, what about the line that he was on there with with uh, the other night? It was with uh, Armia and Oh, who, who was the other one? Oh, shoot. Suzuki. Yes. Yeah, I thought that line worked very well.
0: I agree. the uh, The goal yeah. Suzuki got was. Uh, that little touch pass that Armia gave yep. him for the uh, the first goal against Columbus, yep.
4: unreal. Yeah, and like I said, I think he's, uh, yeah, I think that's a, you know, those three, they're a good fit. Why not? So, yeah, it, as a fan, I would say on a, on a you know, a one-year bonus-laden contract, because you can do that because it's an over-35 contract for him, why not do it? You know, what's the worst that can happen? It won't pan out and, you know, hey, maybe you can do a mutual contract termination there, you know? That seems to be to be starting to be in vogue of late. So yeah, but yeah, why not? Wouldn't hurt.
0: Appreciate you coming on and sharing uh, sharing the wisdom that you have and <laughs> <laughs> shooting the breeze about the Canadians.
4: Oh, it's always a pleasure. I mean, I, I always have to, you know, do, in, in my line of work, I always I have to try, you know, I. I kind of pride myself on being impartial when i'm uh, you know assessing trades and you know plays and and that and players that sort of thing but you know it's nice to be able to you know to take that hat off and put the Habs fan hat on from time to time and just kind of shoot the breeze about uh, the club's direction and where we're going to go from here
0: hey you don't have to be impartial you just have to be unfiltered just give us your thoughts
4: (laughs) well i try to do my best that way too
0: yeah but not not Full on sailor, unfiltered, because you know we well,
4: sometimes yeah. do have kids. Listen, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Because <laughs> if, if it was full, if it was full on sailor, this would just be uh, punctuated with a lot of bleeps. So there you are.
0: Yeah, yeah, blue language everywhere.
4: <laughs> but uh, good thing I didn't. Drink, good thing I didn't drink for this show. Oops, oh, sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes I wonder if I should. You know.
4: <laughs> But, uh, it would be an we'll, interesting show, but you'd have to just definitely let folks know ahead of time it's going to be uncensored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: That's what we do when Tregg comes on.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Those P
0: twos, I tell you, you gotta keep a rain oh.
4: On. oh boy, oh boy, yeah. Salty. Salty, salty man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh no, is there uh do you have anything coming out uh, pretty soon or? Anything to
4: plug? Uh well, I mean, obviously, well, we've got the, uh, you know, we've got the, you know, the trade deadline coming up in three weeks, and this is obviously one of my busiest times of the year. And uh, and once that's, you know, once that's done, then it's uh, gearing up for the stretch run and the playoff coverage that starts in, in April. And once that's done, then we're into the draft and free in the, you know. The draft, the award shows, free agency, and yeah, so uh, it's it's going to be going to be a busy stretch until I'm able to take a couple of weeks off in in, uh, in late August. <laughs> That's usually when I get to take my vacation. So,
0: <laughs> and you get to do it on a beautiful beach in PEI.
4: Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I picked a good place to retire. I got to admit, I I don't have any complaints.
0: No jealousy here. <laughs> Still, still stuck in Halifax for for a while.
4: <laughs> oh, hey, Halifax is one of my favorite cities, though. You know, good party town.
0: Yeah, yeah. When uh, when I can get out of the suburbs to head downtown.
4: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereabouts in the suburbs do you live?
0: <laughs> I'm uh, I'm over towards uh, Bedford and uh,
4: oh, okay. Hammonds Plains. So Hammonds Plains. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know the area. Yeah. I
0: bring down <laughs> I bring down the uh, the property values.
4: I thought that was something Brad Marchand did. Oh, oh, he went there. Oh. Yeah, he's oh one my of my goodness. neighbors. <laughs> is he really?
0: <laughs> he really is,
4: yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh.
0: He's literally uh, he's he's literally just around the corner.
4: <laughs> don't do any uh pk Subban bam bumblebee hits to him, eh?
0: <laughs> Try not to. He's pretty quick on his feet though, even in the same Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> But uh, no, I appreciate you coming on and doing this uh, for my listeners to pick up any of your your uh, your your articles, any of your 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 thoughts. Uh, I would suggest they go to Specters Hockey on Twitter. Uh, is there anywhere else that uh, you'd like them to check out?
4: Uh, you can you can also find my work as we know to the top of the show. Uh, I do the uh, weekly rumor roundup with the hockey news. Uh, I have a biweekly column with the the, the PEI Guardian. Uh, weekly one with the uh, the sporting news where I kind of uh, branch out into some different other things, usually CBA and, uh, you know, salary cap uh, stuff for them. Uh, my NHL trade rumors uh, every week, uh, you know, that one's pretty much self-explanatory. And uh, with featured, uh, I do a whole bunch of different things, trade stuff, and uh, that, that, you know, opportunity there to just kind of look at a whole bunch of different things. Today, for example, I uh, took a look at uh, Alex Ovechkin chasing history. Uh, with his uh, with his uh, assault on uh, the uh, the uh, goal scoring record of, Rain- of Wayne Gretzky, I think he's got a very realistic chance of breaking that. So uh, you can go and check that out as well. Beautiful,
0: thanks a lot, Lyle. And uh, God, I'm looking forward to reading everything you're putting out.
4: <laughs> thanks very much. Thanks for having me on. We'll uh, we'll have to do this again uh, sometime soon.
0: Absolutely. Thanks a lot.
4: Okay. Take care.
0: Do you have a problem
4: getting big city slams? Are you not
1: getting the gains at the gym? Well, don't mortgage your future on rental supplements. Get Bergy Arms. Berkey arms will get you the gains you need. Bergy Arms gets rid of all the bad attitude and builds better characters so you can get the gains you need. Get Bergy Arms. Bergy Today. Not a real project. May, to- May make you trade your favorite player for a mountain man. Do not use... If you're healthy, if you want loyalty, buy a dog.
0: And that concludes another episode of Habs Unfiltered. We would like to thank all our listeners, old and new, for joining us. We hope you were informed and entertained. And always remember, if you are talking about it, so are we.